I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. Welcome to Card Talk, the podcast about flipping cards. I am one of the three lovely hosts on this show. My name is Ryan Johnson, aka Card Collector 2. I uh, own a retail store for sports cards and memorabilia in Grove City, Ohio, and I have been in the sports card. Oh, sports I was, card. I was just booing your Ohio. Thank you, Todd, for my <laughs> I've been in the sports card and memorabilia market for about 15 years now. So, uh, yeah, most of my uh, most of my adult life, and even since when I was a kid. So, my next co-host on this is going to be Tyler Schmidt. Tyler, why don't you uh, take it away? What's up, everybody? Uh, I am uh, I'm honored and pleased and excited for uh, for the journey we're going to embark on here. I've been in the game, I'd say, for eighteen months, and it really all started. I've been working alongside Gary uh, Gary Vaynerchuk for coming up on seven years now. About two years ago. He started sending me a bunch of links on eBay to start doing some buying for him. Uh, I had no idea what I was getting into and that they would lead to something like this today. Uh, I find myself a generally curious person, and uh, I'm hoping to be able to extract a lot of insight uh, from the, the hobby, the industry in general, and bring value to all those that are uh, that are listening. So excited for this. And uh, if you're listening right now, thank you and stay tuned and fire away with questions. And we're hopefully going to be able to bring you some value and some education and some fun along the way. Um, my name is Lou. I am also a newish collector. Been collecting probably now back in the game for like three years. Um, I used to collect back when I was a kid. 2003 basketball class was like my initial first like foray into the hobby. I uh, got back in with Gary as well. I have since taken over buying duties from Tyler <laughs> as of late. Um, and uh, I'm just excited. I'm looking forward to this. I'm happy Ryan and I got connected way back when. Uh, and I'm glad we're gonna make this happen now. So away we go. Should be uh should be a, a a fun little journey we're gonna embark on together. So the first thing we're gonna do on uh, each show is going to be uh, the, what we call this week's update. So it's typically three topics that are currently going on in uh, the card world. Again, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, uh, sports cards. So uh, I got three different ones for you today. But the first one I want to start with is going to be sports coming back. Right, so we've talked about this in you know group chat for a while, but looks like the end of this month we should have baseball and basketball and even hockey uh, going full time at, at at that point. Um, looks like the NBA is going to be in a bubble in Orlando. Uh, but what a, what I want to try to get out of this is how this is going to impact card values uh, and what this means for uh, for the hobby. So. Uh, I know we talked about this again before, but what are your guys' current takes on baseball starting up, basketball starting up, and does that do anything for your uh, your buying or selling? Soccer. And soccer. And soccer. Soccer's, been back. soccer's already started. Soccer's been back, and I'm dialed in. Uh, yeah, I think – so uh, a quick kind of just update across the board, right? Uh, basketball going into a bubble in Orlando starts yeah. off July 30th, right? There's yep. been recently a couple teams that have shut down their practice facilities, came back with some negative tests. There's a little bit of unease, but I think across the major sports coming back, American major sports, personally, I see basketball as the best positioned 
with how they've set it up structurally you go into a bubble everything's contained controlled baseball they kind of met in the middle they're doing 50 games i believe and they're now back in spring training every team has reported and keeping things under control but a lot of travel is going to be involved so not sure there i think football not as much travel but yeah not as much travel why is that yeah what, what, they're keeping it regional they're keeping it regional yeah Got it. So and more a than couple, a bubble, but yeah. A couple players have started to opt out, right? I saw David Price yeah. opted out today. And then uh, hockey, same deal. Uh, I, I think, you know, where we approach the hockey market will be a little bit less. But let's start with baseball. Rye, in your shop, in your store, is it still baseball is the dominant sport? And have you seen a, a dip without the relevancy? You know, typically this is the the moment for baseball in the summers. Where are we at? Are you seeing a lot of sales going on in the hobby? It is number one, but is the downplay in, in the sport overall? Are you starting to see that in, in terms of sales in your world? Yeah, I mean, baseball, we're, we're selling baseball now, right? I mean, there's a lot of new baseball products come out. Series two just came out. Finest just came out. Uh, Prism Baseball just came out. There's a bunch of different baseball releases, uh, but in terms of what sells, it's it, it's definitely basketball. It has been basketball since Zion, you know, started. It's 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 definitely a basketball driven market. Um, but it, it, it's good to see baseball still selling, considering there hasn't been sports, you know, for months and, now. And who who in the return of baseball? do you believe has the biggest upside from a collector and flipping perspective? If you're buying right now, baseball, baseball's coming back. Who do you see as low is it Soto that you, you could see a big pop coming from? Again, I'm not, um, I'm going to set Lou. the tone now that I'm not the, I'm not the baseball guy in this, in this conversation It's probably going to be Lou. So my opinion is probably less than Lou's in this point, but I would say Luis or bear. It seems like all the baseball guys I, I talk to seem to think Luis or bears on similar trajectory as Acuna and Soto, but Lou, I'd be curious for your opinion on that. Um, I agree with you. Robert is definitely high on the list. Um, I think there's guys like Gavin Lux that are um, a little bit under the radar. I think people in the hobby are fairly aware of Gavin. So like his stuff's going to be pretty highly priced, but I truly believe that Soto is like the most underpriced guy right now. His tops update PSA tens are only like 130 bucks and he's definitely the most electric player in the league and the most exciting player in the league. So I would put my money into Soto before I put it into anyone else. And he's already won a title. Exactly. How about pitchers versus prospects? Like in terms of the market, I imagine coming back, pitchers aren't going to be as kind of, you know, drawn out as much. They're going to be shorter training camps. So it's not going to be as, as warmed up. Are you going to see opportunity for hitters compared to pitchers? What do you think in terms of that side of things? Yeah, I would say typically when it comes to cards, pitchers are going to be lower no matter what happens. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think there's going to be more guys hitting well because pitchers haven't been able to throw as much because they've been stuck inside. Yep. Moving over to football, Mahomes, 10-year extension today. Massive. Crazy. What do you think about the, the the football market? We've generally always talked it's it's quarterbacks or nothing. It's quarterbacks or nothing. Right. Why is that generally, Lou? What, what do you see when you're looking at the football market? Why, why such a focus on quarterbacks as opposed to all else? Um, I think, you know, Ryan could also speak to this, but I think quarterbacks are the most recognizable people on the team. Right. They got the ball in their hands every single play, no matter what. Um, yep. So I think historically, that's where that's why they've led the charge. But to me, something I've been taking a look at is with a lot of new people now coming in the last four months, five months. I think guys like Kamara, Michael Thomas, 
uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think there's a lot of opportunity with those guys because they are pretty pretty well household names with fantasy football and everything like that. And new collectors are going to be like, oh, I can get a Kamara rookie for 50 bucks. Like that seems cheap. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of opportunity with the newer position players as well. Do you see, Rai, coming into the shop, do you, in terms of football collectors, is there definitely a major focus on quarterbacks comparatively so? Uh, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of the guys in the top of the, hey, do you have insert player name? Uh, definitely it's going to be Mahomes, Brady, Baker because he's local, Burrow because he's now a Bengal. Um, but we do get asked a lot for like guys like McCaffrey, uh, Barkley, Kamara, Michael Thomas. Uh, there's there's a lot of other uh, requests, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a quarterback-driven market for sure. Big quarterback signing recently other than Patrick Mahomes was last week Cam got brought into New England. Uh, Brian, you're a Patriots fan, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. So yeah, you're fi- right. Exactly. Huh? He's super excited about that one. Um, and that kind of got me thinking about more of the veteran QBs. Um, guys like Cam, guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, etc. Um, and where the opportunity is with those guys. I, th- I think typically, myself included, right? Like I've only been thinking, I've primarily been thinking about the Deshauns, Lamars, Darnold, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, those kind of guys. Because um, those are the new the shiny new objects basically. Um, but I think the more I think about it and this is people are going to say, obviously this is true, but like Aaron Rodgers isn't really going down anytime soon. You know what I mean? Uh, Russell Wilson's pretty much solidified his position of who he is like in the history yeah, of, Hall of, fa- Hall of fame quarterback. Yeah. Like really good quarterback forever. Um, yeah. So Ryan, when you're thinking about buying football and you're buying quarterbacks, where would you rather spend your money? Um, would you rather spend it on a guy like a, like a Matt Stafford or a guy like a Drew Locke. I think that's a fairish comparison, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess it depends on what your what your goal is, right? Like, are we holding the cards for 18 months to two years? Or are we flipping it? You're soon? buying a card today that you that you are going to be able to hold on to for as long as you want. Today, you're going to go buy a card. Which one are you going to buy? Drew Locke. Why? Drew Lock. The unknown, right? So much of the card market now is driven by the unknown. What is what is Drew Locke gonna be? We've seen him start what three games, I think. Like he hasn't really done a lot. They got a lot of weapons in the offseason. We don't know if Drew Locke is the next Mahomes or if Drew Locke is uh Josh Rosen, right? Some average quarterback who I mean Josh yeah. Rosen's probably below average, but um, yeah. you know, something like that. Uh, you know, Drew Locke, PSA 10 Prism does what? What's that? 360? Yeah. For a 10? Dude, yep. started three games, start, sells for 360. And I think that's the, what is that? $15 for that tops? That yeah. That's like a top space, though. Yeah. That's a, I mean, what's a Bowman Chrome do? What, there's Finest for 50 bucks. So, yeah, I mean, you can buy Stafford, PSA 10 rookies. There's a Bowman Chrome for 65. That's a, that's a legit brand. I just think the thing with Stafford and, uh, Ryan and uh, a lot of the guys lose talking about is just what they've done, right? Yeah. Like, Matt, like you already know what you're getting from Matt Ryan. You know what you're getting from Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's a great quarterback, but I think the reason, one of the reasons Cam Newton stuff spikes so much is just what the Patriots have done. Like Bill Belichick went five and zero with Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett. He's they were a game away from the playoffs with when Brady tore his ACL. I think that's why Newton stuff spiked. But at the moment, if I'm buying something, I'm 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 still going lock. Well, I think it also speaks to and something I'm so excited about going through these conversations for my own discovery, for allowing people to get educated is there's a million different ways to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like if Drew Locke starts off the season four and oh, what's that going to do to his value? 
right? If if Stafford does, it's probably not going to do the same. But if he wins the Super Bowl, I mean, he he's not far from smashing every single record as a quarterback. And and so buying and holding long term, maybe makes it into the Hall of Fame. Or yep. you can go Drew Locke and, you know, six games could change the value in two seconds. If you're in the quick trip, you know, flip trade business, you know, margins and just doing high volume. Or if you're in the, I'm just going to put money into this market and sit on it and hold. Maybe you're a massive Lions fan. So there's there's so many different aspects, not only to being a collector and enjoying the different cards you're picking up. So even within the Stafford market, you can go down, you know, 14 different paths of different cards and products and what's in demand and high population, low population, or the drew lock. I'm just going to invest in young quarterbacks that I think are going to pop Yeah, drew lock over, over um, Darnold is a massive conversation. We have all the time. Who's better. Who's better. Who's better. Does drew lock sell for almost double the price. For PSA tens, yeah, Darnold's what, just under two hundred. I think Darnold's no, it's like, like one thirty. Wow, I thought it was one. I thought it was closer to. No, and, like and so that like it just shows what prospecting I think matters. Like the unknown versus once they get found out a little bit. I mean, if he goes two and six, like quick, it's going to be a bloodbath. Sure. Yeah. So I, so there's there's higher risk, just like in any market. Any investments that you're making, higher risk, higher reward, right? So that 300 could boom. And that's probably priced in there a little bit already, which is why it's higher than than Darnold. Yep. Darnold's first six games of this year's aren't as important to hit the value of his card as Drew Locks. You kind of already have a little bit of an understanding. He goes and wins a playoff game. Jets are back. You know, that matters. But in the first six games, Drew Lock goes one and five. That card's not selling for three hundred bucks. It's going to do what Darnold did last year and go to fifty bucks. I was going to say I was going to say Baker last year. The Browns signed Odell Beckham. They got Landry. They got Cream Hunt. Baker stuff was through the roof. Every day I got asked, "Hey, is uh, you know, you have any Baker Mayfield? You got any Baker Mayfield?" And the Browns come out and go, "What eight, eight and eight? Yeah, and Baker stuff is a fraction. I mean, it's still high, I think, but it was it was really really high last year, and it just plummeted comparatively. So yeah, I mean. One game, I mean, Mahomes started his first game in 2018, I think, when he started against the Steelers, threw six touchdown passes in one game and stuff. Just, I mean, could you imagine if one of the young guys this year came out through six touchdown passes in the first game? Kyler, Locke, Joe Burrow. I mean, it would, it would, it would be nuts. Yeah. Um, on the next topic, and I know this is something that you've had going on, um, Ryan, in, in, in my life, a lot of my friends that I've introduced into, uh, sports cards have gone down this path, but uh, something I want to talk about is box breaks and the gambling nature of uh, uh, of ripping wax, the term for opening sports cards packs, and why that has become such a massive a massive shift in the market, not only for shop owners like yourself, where retail now you can't really shop in person, and why for new entrants into the hobby have gravitated so much towards these nightly box breaks similar to it's really gambling it's it's almost taken the place of a lot of sports betting for Mm -hmm. individuals right now during the summer a lot of guys are throwing five ten dollar but you know bets in on baseball um first five inning bets first to score uh parlays kind of the what DraftKings did to open up sports betting for everyone i think box breaks has taken that place a little bit if you're aware of them 
And yep. so just wanted to get into one, what are box breaks? And Ryan, I'd like you to break it down a little bit. I know you host them a lot. And mm-hmm. then and then we can talk about why that's filled the void and what kind of we see as the future in some capacity for for box breaks. Yeah. So box breaking, there's a there's a whole lot of uh a lot of different ways to do it, but uh, essentially what it is in uh is you take a a box, multiple boxes of unopened sports cards and you sell spots in that box break. So for instance, if we take one box that is, you know, $300 and there's 30 NBA teams, that would make each NBA team roughly $10 a piece, right? So you sell one random team in a box for $10, you purchase a spot, Lou purchases a spot and 28 others purchase a spot and you end up with one random team in that break where any card we pull of that particular team, you get shipped to you. Uh so for you know a thirtieth of the box price, you get to you know. It, I think the biggest reason we'll talk about this in a second is going to be community though, because you're going to get in for ten bucks. You're going to hang out on a live stream, watch somebody open them, talk sports, talk culture, talk the hobby, and it just it's it's a lot like Twitch, right? You get to be a part of a community. Like, why do people watch people play video games? It's part of a community, right? You're 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 a part of that. So. Uh, yeah, you just, you, you break it down into smaller, co- uh, smaller, uh, spots where people can join and, uh, yeah, you just watch them rip. It's, it's huge. And so there's a couple of different ways that you do it, right? So say you have a, uh, box at NBA, uh, yep. national treasures and you sell each slot for X, you yep. then, that you then randomize and, and kind of, okay, say I buy in, I start mm-hmm. tuning in, you go live at nine o'clock. The yep. first step is you randomize what teams you get. So there's kind of a, this gambling aspect of the the Pelicans are exponentially more uh, yep. valuable than the Knicks for that matter, even though RJ's got a little bit of juice. But the 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 Pelicans are way more. So that's gambling aspect number one right there. Boom. No different than I walk down the street, I buy a scratch off or I'm laying at home and I put five, $7 on the Yankees tonight. It's really about, okay, half the, half the value in the bet is just watching the game with juice on it right like that adds a a fun aspect to it so boom there you go and then you get into opening the boxes and i might have the pelicans and i might only get a random insert of zion or a base or a silver and that can vary any you know from a market value perspective i can now put in 10 bucks and get something worth 200 or i can put in 10 bucks and get a couple pieces of cardboard that are worth 30 cents. Yep. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly how it is. Now, you can you can do it, pick your team. So like you said, in the National Treasures break, the Pelicans might be $2,000 if we individually price each team because they're going to be you know, one of the better options. Or it can be completely random where it's you know, $400 and you have a shot at the Pelicans. Um, so just it just depends on, on the break. But yeah, like you said, I think that's important for people to realize is you could get into a break for, we had a, a break a couple of weeks ago. It was like $27 to get in and a customer hit a $2,500 LeBron tiger stripe for 27 bucks. Got in, hit 27, you know, 2,500 bucks. You graded, I think a PSA 10 sold yesterday for eight grand. Last raw sale was 2,500. So if you PSA 10, it sells for eight grand. He got in for 28 bucks. Now that break, there's only a couple cards, so you might get nothing at all. And that's the risk you take, but that's kind of what makes it so fun, right? You bet on sports, you're not always guaranteed to win. So love it. Lou, thoughts on box breaks? Anything coming from your side? I, you know, that was the first thing I did when I started paying attention again. And it was the best way for me to learn, right? I was like, what is Prism? I don't know what the hell 
optic is. Like, I don't know what any of that stuff is. And it was the best way for me to jump in and be like, and ask people questions. I think I jumped in one of Ryan's like Instagram lives, like way back when. And I was like, what the hell is this? Um, so yeah, I think it's just super educational and it's a really good, it's a great way for people to enter the hobby. Like you're saying, your friends have. So I'm a big yeah. fan of to your point on the education, like just tuning in because you don't have to be, you don't have to pay to, it's not like yeah, you're, literally you're, off, YouTube right? you're doing them yeah. on YouTube live, Facebook live, Instagram live, et cetera. So understanding what the chase is for, yep. you know, this release, uh, soccer chronicles, uh, is coming up this week. Like understand getting to know the product a little bit and then, okay. Another way to take it is let me just pay attention and then go on eBay and see what's selling raw and what might be undervalued compared to what's in demand in these box breaks, things like that. And I, I, you guys hit the nail right on the head. That is so important. I get people ask all the time, like, Hey, you know, where do I start when I get in the hobby? There's so many different products, so many different variations, retail hobby, you know, breaks, buying just singles. That's a huge thing is if you just get in a live feed and watch any YouTuber, Instagram, uh, card account, like they're going live. You can learn so much just watching a break or watching someone go live. I think that's, that's huge is, it's just being a, being in the room and, and listening, I think you can really, really learn a lot from that. How often are you doing them? Uh, we don't do them too often. I would say two, three times a week, at, typically Friday nights and then sometime Monday night, Tuesday night, something like that. Right. So typically two, three nights a week. Cool. So speaking of trading card values, we uh, we recently sat down with Aaron, Aaron Nowak from Slab Stocks to talk about uh, their platform from tracking card value and how he and his business partner started slab stocks right out of college. So here is that interview. Hey guys, I'm Aaron from slab stocks, started the company slab stocks about a year and a half ago, two years ago with my buddy, Nate, I uh, his neighbors with me back when I was really young growing up. And ever since we started this company, we've just been putting out a ton of Instagram content, Twitter, YouTube, uh, different ways to get sports cards accessible for many people. And get them involved in the hobby and, you know, just keep blowing it up and work towards our ultimate goal to get as many people in this hobby as possible. How long you been uh, in the game? How, how long? Well, personally, you, I, you've been, you started a year and a half ago, but I think that sells you short. Give it a little bit of just kind of when it all, all started for you. Yeah. So as, as a collector myself, I started back when I was 10 years old. Um, 2008. Are, yep. How old are you now? I'm, so I'm 22 now. Cool. Going to be 22 tomorrow, actually. But okay. uh, <laughs> 10 years old, 2008, my brother and I goes to, we go to a Target in Minnesota because we just moved to Minnesota. Target was the closest thing to our house. We bought some 2008 Topps football packs. Uh, 2008 Topps football just like totally got me into it. Brett Favre on the cover of the retail boxes. We're huge Packer fans, obviously. Um, and when we ripped those packs, you know, we'd, we'd build sets and everything. And then from there, just all kind of topped on top of each other. We go to card shows. I mean, my brother kind of trailed off with the whole collecting thing. But I go to card shows. My dad uh, would buy different football cards for my collection. I pulled the Eddie Lacy Topps Chrome Gold Refractor Rookie Auto back in 2013, like when he was the absolute Huge. man. So like, like that was an eight, pre, $800 like, card. Pre the weight he put on Eddie Lacy. Yeah. yeah, this is like Rookie of the Year $800 card. Like big deal when I'm like 14 years old. And then just kind of keep on going into college, get really into Bowman Chrome Autos with Nate. Uh, buddy Nate that does this with me. He's huge into baseball prospects. So just been kind of buying, selling, building up uh, different knowledge bases in all the different sports. Really got into like the entrepreneurship side of it, the the buying and selling, and obviously making profit through high school into college. 
And then I've, once we started Slab Stocks, I mean, just blew it up in terms of like sharing what I've learned since I've been 10 uh, to everyone out there I can to, you know, try to get everyone involved. That's what the goal is. So Aaron, can you give us a little bit of rundown, like for someone that is listening for the first time and knows absolutely nothing about you or Slab Stocks, what is Slab Stocks on a high level? Yeah, super high level. Basically, what we do is we look at the sports car market, what's going up in value on different trends in terms of demand, uh, how you know consumers are reacting to, to either different performances on the court or on the field, or even different sports car trends in general, because there's trends that don't even have to do with performance. And then we just capture those trends in the Instagram post and really just you know get them out there for people to, to learn really easily. And then we also have a YouTube side of it where we you know run three, four podcasts a week where we look at either different beginning investing topics, uh, basketball breakdowns for players. Uh, our host, Sam, he really does a ton of basketball breakdowns and tries to get people understanding the players so they can go and buy cards from there. And all three of us really work well together, Nate, Sam, and I, because we all have different areas of expertise. I mean, my biggest area of expertise expertise is the sports cards. Um, I've known her for so long. I've understood you know, which cards bring value, which cards go up in value over time. And then Nate brings in the baseball knowledge. He's just a baseball guru, just like me in sports cards. He knows everything about baseball. And then Sam knows everything about basketball. And I really, you know, use my knowledge to help them learn about cards. And then they've started to apply that to their content. So it's just a really, you know, all-encompassing view of sports cards and sports and how they, inter, you know, mingle and react together. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit in terms of just, and and for clarity, like what I heard there at the end is like, you knew about cards and, and, and the value of, of cards and how the markets worked. And then you had two buddies that were diehard sports fans. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of dudes, 14 to 30 out there that are like, literally know everything about a team, about a sport, what was the discovery phase for your buddies to be like, oh, I can use that knowledge to turn it into a bit of like a business or entrepreneurial and how cards gives that ability. Can you talk just in terms of the value, like some value for the audience of, hey, I'm 17. I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on in my life. Corona's happening. I don't know if I'm going to college, what's going on, but I know every single thing about that's happened in the NBA over the last four years. What can you do with that? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it back to the personal story. So this is really when Nate and I got into it really hard together. This was back in 2017, going to fall of 2017. He knew I used to do sports cards like really hard. And I actually did take like a six-month break um, in senior year of high school. And he was like, hey, man, like I've got these couple prospects that I just think are absolute like home runs. Like I think you should be buying some cards of them again. So I was like, okay, like he used his knowledge in, in baseball prospects. And I knew which cards to buy. So I took, I think, $2,500 and I bought 75 Forrest Whitley Bowman Chrome Autos ranging from base up to Orange Refractor. I bought an Orange Refractor Forrest Whitley Bowman Chrome Auto for $200. I sent it in on like a 20-day PSA grade, hit a 10. I sold it for $1,200 like three months later. So it was absolutely ridiculous. And as you can imagine, that was the highest end card. Every single card from there like went up in value like crazy. Base autos from $10 to $60. So really all it took, and also I'll, I'll say in the record, cause he'll, he'll be super mad at me if I don't, he told me to buy Ronald Acuna. He told me to buy Forrest Whitley and Ronald Acuna, but this is right when I got back into it and Ronald Acuna was $120 a base auto. Now he's like nice. 1500 and I didn't want to take the risk to spend $120 per card. So I went with the $15 per card, but that would have worked out really well. So for Nate, when he came into it, he, he took his knowledge of like, 
knowing everything about these prospects, one to 100 in the MLB pipeline ranking and which ones can grow more going forward. And then I'm like, okay, I can take my money and I can go spend it on Bowman Chrome autographs, which I knew, you know, were the prospect card at the time. And it still is today for prospects. And then Sam came along two years later and Sam's Nate's brother. So it's easy to get Sam to realize after Nate that, um, you know, this is a real thing that can work. And Sam, it like lives and breathes the NBA, like listens to all these podcasts like daily. And he's like that guy you're describing, Tyler, just the, the, the dude that just loves sports and understands basketball and understands how players develop. And if you just like take those small little things you pick up over time as a sports fan and just like even put like $50, $25, $100 towards your favorite player, as long as you're buying the correct card, maybe it's a rookie card, maybe it's a second year, you know, select silver, prism silver or something, you're you're going to do well if if you are so confident in knowing that this guy is going to be, you know, a home run player. Aaron, we, uh, we've been having a lot of discussion in the last couple of weeks, and I want to kind of get your, uh, your intake on it. So with basketball and baseball looking like one could be starting, one might not be starting, uh, we have a lot of discussion about if you, in the short term, if you're putting money into uh, either sport, uh, which sport are you putting the money into right now? Are you going basketball or is baseball a better buy? Definitely basketball. Basketball all the way. I mean, we're still making recommendations on baseball because if there is a season, it could it could hit huge. But in terms of like what we really like to do is mitigate risk. You know, how can we mitigate risk or how can our our you know, audience mitigate risk because personally, like I'm not out there buying and selling cards, but we're trying to get other people to to think about these things. How can you mitigate risk? And if baseball, just like the agreement doesn't happen, you know, all those cards are going to be so flatlined or dropped down in value over these next like eight months that it's, it's just too risky to go and put the money into. But if you take that same $75 you put into, into Tatis and you put that into LeBron or Giannis or, you know, Jason Tatum, and then they have a huge game in the playoffs, they'll pop off, you know, they go up double maybe, or even leading up to the playoffs. And I mean, even the NBA restart, we got, we still have a month to NBA restart. I mean, you, you guys have seen what the basketball card market's done in the last month yeah. since they made the announcement that it might come back. We have a whole nother month of growth before play even starts. So there's just so many more possibilities to make money in basketball right now. And also I just think that the reach of like players just goes so much further than in baseball, like baseball, you've got a couple of guys, that resonate with people in basketball. You have so many guys that people are fans of for different reasons. You know, maybe it's Siakam, like mm-hmm. Siakam for the longest time wasn't worth much value. And then he yeah. pops off huge in the NBA. He's got a huge worldwide fan base. You know, everyone wants Siakam. Now they want a title and everything. And then, you know, he goes from $5 or $2 a prison base rookie. Now they're up to 50, 60. So there's plenty of ways that you guys can go in basketball and, and make money much easier than baseball, in my opinion. That's crazy. I um I want to I want to get a little bit of your perspective on you know you, you say it's now almost twelve years that you've kind of been around and there's something to be said of what's happened over the last six months or the last eighteen months. You know, I met you a year ago in Chicago, right at, at National, and yep. that was really when I was kind of first getting into it. I, I, for a year prior to that, I had really been like working for Gary, like doing his buying, but didn't like get passion for. Like Lou and I, and then all of a sudden I went there and I was like, holy shit. Like I just walked to one end, you know, I met a ton of cool people. I I bought a card from one dude for 20 bucks and two hours later I sold it for 30 bucks. And I was like, whoa, this is, is (laughs) but what what I want to talk to you about a little bit is I think that because of what's happened so much over the last three months, six months, there's a lot of new faces coming in and it's all about 
buy and sell, buy and sell. Quick, 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 quick. If it's not doubling up on money, it's a failure. I want you to go back four months ago or, or so, four years ago, five years ago, and talk a little bit about, okay, say things do calm down a little bit. Say things do cool down a little bit. What was that market like? What? Yeah. What, what, to, I, I want to preach a little bit of patience. I also want to speak to collectors a little bit not just hammer on the, Hey, if you buy now and sell in a week, that's what this whole game is about. And, and a little bit of the passion around sports, a little bit of a passion around collections, a little bit of passion around that's a beautiful card, not just because it's going to sell for $20 more four days later. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I've got collections that date back to 10 years ago. Like I've got a Kobe rookie, my first ever sports card purchases, you know, I guess 12 years ago. Now I went to a sports card show in Minnesota and I had, I remember I had a Beckett manual was like this thick. It was like a book from Barnes and Noble. And I circled the rookie cards I want to get in there. I think I paid $5 for Kobe, $3 for Aaron Rodgers back 12 years ago, but it really has to do with, you're talking about the new people that are coming in. And I look, and even, you know, all our Instagram posts are geared towards, you know, what's the value of this card? How's it going up? Um, I like to throw in some flair now and then and like, oh, how's this set design, you know, trying to get people to think about other things. But the expectation has been blown out of proportion. And I see it a lot with people that if they don't double up in a month or two months, they think it's a failure, like you said. And I made a post maybe a month ago. It was of a Wander Franco card that went up 30% in two months, I think, two or three months. And this was at the time, like right after the card market started to boom when it dipped, you know, after Corona. Yep. And I was like, guys, like this is good. Like if you were in, around, like you said, four years ago, like 30% in two months is really good. And I think Ryan would probably agree with me because I know Ryan was around then too. And like, I was so thrilled to turn something from like $10 into like $20 if it was like six months or something back when I was in high school. And like yep. everything that you see now all the all the high end values like you know Luca Prison Base for seven hundred fifty profits that are like four hundred percent return on investment. Everything you see now four years ago was everything was just toned down. You're making less profit. Stuff is worth less. You can get into stuff easier because it's worth less and doesn't cost as much. Yeah. But everything is toned down. I mean, it's it, it's just across the board. You you profit less. You spend less. Now with the just completely insane influx in demand. I mean, I'm really I'm. Of course, I'm super happy that so many people are getting into sports cards. I mean, it's amazing to see. But, you know, I, I hope that some people that that go and buy cards aren't just looking like, man, if I get this card in my hand, this better be double the money in two months. I'm going to be super mad. I mean, I have boxes and boxes worth of uh, Christian Yelich and Keston here at Brewers cards that I'm never going to sell. I mean, I've got Orlando Garcia Bowman Chrome Autos I bought at the 2015 National that I had no plans to sell. I spent, you know, the most money I've ever spent on a card was – on, in 2017 at the National, I bought Orlando Arcia Bowman Chrome Gold Auto 9.5. At the time, he was a six overall prospect. It's $350. Think about now if the six overall prospect Gold 9.5 Auto out of 50, I mean, you're looking at like five, six thousand, four thousand or something, like depending on who the player is. But yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, as for people and like the, the way I see it though is that I really think how this market's going, how people are starting to make money off of it they're getting more than just the dollars and cents off of it. Like I see people who are messaging me. I see people who are commenting. They're like, man, I got into this because I saw I can make money, but now I'm actually like, it's like a blast. Like it's like my favorite thing to do outside of my work. It's like when I go home at night, I go and I look at sports cards and I open my sports cards and I go and open my box and look at my, you know, Jason Tatum's or whatever it is. Like people are actually falling in love with it, which is awesome. And that's how we keep these people around, even if they don't 
make that double up, triple up in like, you know, two or three months, which it seems really odd that it's became like the norm for people because it's really not. And I hope yeah. that people don't get too comfortable with that because you're right. If there is a time where the, uh, you know, demand turns down for any reason, you can still make money. People still be able, people can make money at any time in the card market. It's just all less. It's just a little bit lower profit, a little bit lower values. Everything's just a little bit toned down. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, Aaron, I, I obviously I, uh, Lou, Tyler, and I have all been in the, the hobby uh, for different time periods. But like I started really hardcore in like 2006. So I've been in it, you know, 14 years consistently every day. And I think the same thing with you and just in terms of like four years ago, right? Like you used to be able to buy quarterback rookie autographs of first round picks for like $20. Like guys that weren't probably going to play for six months or maybe not till next season, you could buy those cheap, right? Like they didn't sell for a fortune. Now, anybody that gets drafted, like Jordan Love is behind Aaron Rodgers, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and his rookie autos sell for hundreds of dollars. I think one of the things I think a lot about in the hobby now, and Aaron, I'd love your take on it, but with more eyes and so much more attention on the hobby, it seems like a lot of it might be almost like a, like FOMO. Like you don't want to miss out on the next big thing. So everybody just sells well because the hobby is so hot right now. Everybody is just on fire, but not everybody can be a first ballot hall of famer. Yep. I agree. And this is actually funny because I was looking at eBay the other day and I was like, man, I, I have to go and see what like 2019, NBA National Treasures rookie patch autos on 99 are selling for because these boxes are what four or five four to forty five hundred dollars Ryan yep. about yep. all right so right. forty five hundred dollars for a box of this stuff and I'm not gonna say the name right but Deontay Windler or something the Cavs like no name rookie his rookie yeah. patch auto of 99 was auctioning at for like four hundred dollars back in 2013 Giannis a top 15 pick still obviously not like no one knew it was gonna happen his were coming out of five hundred dollars out of the gate. Yeah. Back in 2013. Yeah, of course, now they're like 80K. And, but. and mind you, Dylan Windler, I believe, didn't play a single game for the Cavs all year. I think he was out for the entire season. Yes. And was the third Cavs guard drafted this year because they took Porter and they took uh, Garland before him. And he's still selling for 500 plus dollars. It just it definitely speaks to how crazy the market is right now. If you've got guys like that selling for that kind of money. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Aaron, I wanted to like we're talking about the FOMO thing real quick just now. Like earlier you were saying you had the opportunity for the Acuna autos for 150, but you went for the 15. I think Tyler and I have a very similar story as well with like the women's soccer cards, but all the time I hear about like, yeah, like I was going to start buying it, these cards for 50 and they went to 400, but I bought the $5 ones and it went to 20. And I think a lot of have people have that FOMO and it's causing some people to make some mistakes. And I think it'd be interesting to talk about a little bit, like, it's okay if your first thing that you make, you only make $20 instead of 175 because you don't get killed. Yeah. Let, let me speak to this. Like anyone coming to the hobby now, they need to know it's okay to make mistakes. I mean, Ryan included and myself have been doing this for like a decade now. I've made so many mistakes over the years. It's not even funny. I mean, back yeah, in high school and reps, you know, like yeah. that's where I want to go. It's like, there's so much value just from doing it. That is not, dollars and cents yeah yes the the way i look at it is every single thing i've done up to today has added to what my outlook is on the car market how i help others how i do all this it doesn't matter about what's in my bank account it matters about how am i you know becoming a better you know slab stocks you know representative or different you know trying to help other people 
get into sports cards. It has nothing to do with, you know, I'm, I'm, oh man, I could have had a Luca Prism Silver PSA 10 for $400 last summer. I don't care about that. You know, it's, it's all about you learn and then you help. And it's just, it's just all, it, it just all comes together. Yeah. And then the a third part about it, because honestly, one of my favorite, like, I enjoy so much. We have this random Instagram DM group where it's just a bunch of dudes shooting the shit about cards and some banter and soccer and all that. And like the community aspect and, and everyone I think needs that. And especially now, whether it's getting into gaming or whatever your interest might be at the end of the day, hobby, right? It's a hobby. And and Ryan, you say the word a lot, hobby, 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 right? I, I want to just talk a little bit about community. Obviously you've built slap stocks and a little bit of community there, but you know, just your knowledge and, and experience of being, you know, in the game and industry, what are some of your favorite spots to either gain information from, whether it be card, uh, cardboard connection or, uh, you know, some different forums where you might've met some interesting people, some card shows. Can you just talk about some of, some of your favorite, maybe experiences or, um, you know, other platforms that you've come across, uh, and just kind of give some hat tips to some different things for, for the listeners to be able to say, Hey, Oh, that's a new thing. Let me go check that out. Yeah, for sure. In terms of like, if you are struggling to figure out the sets, the parallels, you know, all this other crazy stuff, like Tyler just said, Cardboard Connection is a great source to go to cardboardconnection.com. I mean, I've learned so much from there. Like going back, you can go back, you know, 20 years, 30 years and look at all the different sets and how parallels change over time. And everything to do with, you know, how card companies actually produce cards and, you know, what's their what's their theory between making it from five parallels and 20 parallels? Like that's all important information for sure. Um, in terms of community building, you know, different people getting involved. I love that group message that we've had. I was just thinking the other day, I can't believe it's been a year now. It's been like literally a year since that thing was started. I cannot, I can't believe how fast that went. Um, and then also just getting in person and meet different people. I know not everyone can make it to the national, can make it to these different card shows, but through doing that, it's much more than just, man, this guy's Instagram handles card collector too. Like he's like, you know, this huge card shop owner, all that stuff. It's more like, Oh, Hey, your name's Ryan. Like, how's it going? All that stuff. And it really just builds into understanding that, you know, buying and selling sports cards goes further than just your computer or your phone or what you're doing on eBay, um, all that stuff. And then you can, you can start to see the passion that other people have for collecting and, and what they enjoy collecting. And also I think a, a huge way to just build positive relationships is just to not try to nickel and dime everyone off every single dollar, every single $2. Um, a lot of people start to, you know, get either preconceived notions about you if you're always trying to get that extra dollar from them instead of, you know, giving someone a deal because they're getting the cards and they want to learn about soccer or, you know, something else just to make people feel, you know, welcomed into the hobby. You know, you don't want people to come in and then think that you're a bunch of stiffs or you're, or you're like, you know, you're not welcoming in, in terms of like how, you know, how you're responding to DMs or anything like that. You always want to be sure you're putting your best foot forward. Um, in terms of actual personal relationships, because I know that we can so often just think that we're talking to handles and we're talking to different social media accounts, but it is real people behind them. And real, those people have stories just like me, just like all you guys. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. It's the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even go further, be, you know, not, not an anti-asshole, but to your point of like, sometimes give a little and, mm -hmm. and, and it helps. I, uh, like that experience when I went to that first national and uh, again, to your point, not everyone can get there. Like I I'm fortunate 
the relationship I have with Gary and he's like, you're coming. And, and we went and we went every single day and it was five days. And obviously, you know, the work he's put in over the years to be able to have, you know, the collection that he has and allow me to learn off that. And, you know, the awareness that he has to so all the people that we got to meet, but it changed everything. And I think for me, the number one takeaway was like, that just the educational aspect of it, like just the learning, the conversations, the reps, right? Like it's crazy. I, and and you remember this, the first thing I was like, okay, how do I get into this? Cause I don't, there's nothing about baseball that interests me in the world. I'm like, okay, I I'm into soccer, but I went there and it was like, there was like very few people that are talking about soccer. Like a couple people come up and I was like, this guy Mbappe and you know, Lou, we were getting into it and like, man, and now soccer started to explode and it'll continue to keep going uh, off the back of that. What are some kind of like not directly down the pipeline, NFL, MLB, NBA stuff that you pay attention to, Aaron, kind of maybe on the fringe. That's a little bit more just like collectible market than like sports cards. Right. Well, you can see my shirt right here. I got the PSG logo on. Um, I was you know, put on to soccer by the two guys on the screen right now, Tyler and Lou, like last summer at the national, it was right when as a, you know, slab socks as a company, we decided to get out of all our baseball, basketball, football, short-term stuff, buying and selling. And we, we just decided, you know, if we're reporting on baseball, basketball, football, we're leaving it to helping others, you know, sending out newsletters, you know, doing Instagram posts, trying to get other people involved in the market. So whatever we're thinking about in terms of sharing knowledge or posting is not influenced by anything we're doing on the card side. So at that moment, I was like, I got to get into something else. That's a weird market out there. I need to learn more. I need to expand my reach so that in the future I can add it to the to the repertoire for for our, our channel. So Tyler and Lou, you know, talk talk to me about soccer. And you know, I'm I'm always big into anyone that's like a you know a big international icon like these. You know, Ronaldo, Messi, now Mbappe and Sancho. All these guys are just huge worldwide, and it's so much fun to see. So I. I took $10,000 and I put it all into soccer in August and September. And you can imagine I was buying about 75, $10, $75 million. <laughs> yeah. Lou, I sent Lou my first purchase. I think Tyler too. I bought a Christian Pulisic like select auto. And then from there I was buying $500 Mbappe NT gold's uh, 10 and stuff. And I bought 75, $2 Killian Mbappe 2018 prison base cards. And those are 150 or something. I got 22 at PSA right now. So basically I, I did that. I went really hard into soccer and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even that fringe. It was literally like Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe, Sancho, and then Felix or Feliz, however you want to say it. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah. But <laughs> <Draw for> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like just those guys and it all it went all went nuts so i sold a bunch of it in march i took that money i put in a high in mbappe i sold that high in mbappe like a month or two later and now i'm just waiting on psa to give me my submission so i can sell it all and start up slab stocks fc to help others get into soccer um just like we did the baseball basketball football so that should be fun but currently i mean lou it's always lou getting me into the weird stuff now pokemon i started to look at pokemon, pokemon I don't, and uh, I've already sold one of my Squirtles or my only Squirtle, but I got two others right now. But it's just another interesting thing where it's not just what people do on the court. I mean, Ryan will for sure agree with this, I think. But four or five years ago, dudes' cards are not going up in value unless they do something to add their legacy or on the court or on the field that makes them go up in value. There wasn't enough people coming in to, to increase value based on demand. Now yeah. everyone's just like, oh, man demand's going here those cards are going up especially with no sports on right now in terms of football basketball baseball 
you talk about like the guys just going up so quickly. I mean, we had, I mean, one of the worst recessions since, you know, 08. I mean, there's a pandemic and cards, you know, I sold a bunch of stuff, right? Just thinking, you know, you just know what, you don't know what's going to happen. And here we are, you know, a week goes by, a month goes by, two months goes by, four months goes by. And every single day, it's, it just seems like I've, I always tell people every day is a new day, but I've never seen anything like it. The next day it happens because values continue to climb without any sports on. Um, so one thing I do want to touch on real quick, Aaron, before we, uh, before we move on is uh, I get asked this a lot and I know you've been in the hobby for, for quite a while now and you're uh, you know an entrepreneur in this. Uh, if you could give our viewers one piece of advice around turning your hobby into a business, what do you think that piece of advice would be? I think what you need to do is you need to understand your skill set, where it works best in the hobby, and then just like triple down on that skill set. Like if you're like really big into basketball and you totally understand these players and you totally understand, you know, how they work, then go really hard in the basketball and invest a ton of money into there. If you want to do it for cards, if you're like, okay, I'm really good at grading. I know how to grade really well. You know, maybe start up some group subs or maybe just like, do a bunch of, you know, either between like PSA and BGS and testing for grading and seeing if you can make a bunch of money in grading or, you know, for myself, what I saw was, I, I mean, I, I love business. I just graduated a business degree. And I want to find a way that I could apply that to sports cards. So I knew that I could take some of my skills I learned there through marketing and analytics and all this other stuff and apply it into, you know, a content, a media company, which is what I, I, I love doing is just producing information based on what I know and what I love. So that's what I did. I found an avenue for myself where I knew best and what I knew best, even like pulling outside skills in. You know, if you, if you know really well how the retail game works, go to Target and Walmarts and understand when drops happen and, you know, pick up cheap retail packs that you can flip or something, you know, make a living on. Just find what you're really good at and try to apply it to some segment of the hobby is the best advice I have. Cool. I love that. Cool. In terms of starting to wrap this up, something that's just been on my mind next couple of months, I want kind of all of us to answer kind of a question or two in terms of if there's one card you're looking at picking up, whether it be for personal collection or an investment flip, what's kind of where are you looking at? You got like kind of a something. Yeah, I, I feel like everyone keeps an eye on something. And while they're over here doing everything else, they're like, yeah, I, I want to make that play. I want to do that. And then maybe someday, maybe your 22nd birthday comes around. You're like, yep, I'm buying that. W- what's that for you right now? Well, currently in the process of saving for a house. But aside from that, <laughs> looking at my, my next big splash. So I just did the LeBron 2003 Topps Chrome Refractor 9.5. Next big play would be honest 2013 Prism Silver 9.5 or 9. Whatever I can get that's attainable. Um, you know, my, my Mount Rushmore is going to be LeBron refractor, Giannis silver, Kobe refractor and Jordan 96 top scrum refractor. So hopefully I can do that one day. It's not going to be soon, but I'll build towards it. It's all about the chase, right? It's all about the chase. All right. And Aaron, before we, uh, before we go here, just, uh, do you want to drop, uh, some of your, your, your handles, your website, stuff like that, where, uh, where people can check you out. Yeah, yes, and sir. tell people so, about your platform, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So big big announcement a couple of days ago on Saturday. We announced that we're bringing the Slabstocks platform to life. We're, what we're doing is we're connecting eBay and just the mess of eBay, all the different cards you know that you can search for. Very hard to figure out what you're trying to do. We're going to take it all and put it into one platform, the Slabstocks trading platform, where you can track your investments. You can buy and sell on there. It's all taking different items from eBay and compiling them to individual stock pages like you'd see on Yahoo Finance or anything. And you can transact on the same exact page that you can track your investments and see how they're going up and down. It's all going to be free. 
We're not preaching sports car accessibility to everyone. We want to make anyone that can get into the hobby, get into it, expand the reach. Um, you know, we want anyone that that wants to learn, wants to do it just to jump in. And I think it's a great way for people to do so and see how their investments in collection is changing daily. Yeah, I think real quick, just to jump in on that, like eBay's library is so vast, right? Like you're having a place where it's all going to come together and you can use the research that you've compiled over all this time and in real time. I think it's super interesting. So I was pumped for you. Like, yeah. to see and currently we're taking pre-registration. So if you go to slabstocks.com slash slabstocks and scroll to the bottom of the page and put in your email address, you'll be pre-registered. And it's coming this summer, 2020. So it will happen this summer, 2020. Do not have an exact date yet, but it is going to happen this summer for sure. Amazing. Aaron, thank you for taking the time. And you're uh, you're an impressive dude. And I think a lot of people are looking at you and, and seeing that that they can, you know, build a little business around their passion themselves. So thanks for taking the time. 30 minutes Tuesday morning. Enjoy your birthday coming up. Enjoy the chase for the Mount Rushmore and keep doing your thing, brother. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Todd. That was our interview with Aaron Slabstocks. Got to sit down and chat with him last week. So Really looking forward to see how his uh, how their platform comes together over the next couple of months and what that looks like for the card game should be a uh, should be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm not sure if they if I, I think we touched on it a little bit, but he's since also they're going to be going big into soccer, into into footy and and launching kind of slab stocks FC. That's where my the majority of my passion lies, other than Pokemon and uh, some NBA stuff. So yeah, great resource. Aaron is the man, um, really doing his thing and and is very disciplined in how he approaches giving his advice, knowing, you know, a lot of the things that long-term hobbyists or people get perturbed about of the pump and dump. He's very, you know, to the T and, and the way he's going to approach the soccer stuff. So I can't say, you know, enough good things about Aaron and thanks him again for taking the time to chat with us. Absolutely. So uh, what we're going to transition to now is going to be our mailbag section. So we're going to do this each week. We're going to answer three of your burning questions about what you want to know, anything card related. So feel free to send your questions to us on Instagram or Twitter. It's at cardtalkpod, or you can email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com. If you're watching on uh, video, the, there's the, uh, social should also be right here, right, right here. <laughs> so not very, not very good on that. We'll work on that as we uh, as we get through this. So first question I got for you guys is from uh, mm. looks like Profit Flips and Killian Camp. Uh, it says, "What is the future of the soccer card market?" So Tyler, I know you're big in soccer. What is uh, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, well, I think a lot about why how things move culturally. Why will people start caring about uh, about this sport in this country? World Cup is being hosted in USA in 2026. Euro Cup this past summer was postponed till next summer. So the next 24 months of the sport are premierly, they, they run pretty much through the calendar year. They take like eight or nine weeks off. And in, in the next 24 months, there's going to be a Euro Cup and a World Cup. Those are two of the biggest sporting events. They happen every two years, back to back, and then uh, yeah, leading up to the 2026. And then what I what I believe has happened is a lot of new people that are coming into the hobby aren't conditioned by the product not existing. And so if you've been around for a long time, it's been a baseball driven thing. If it's maybe 
10 years of the last eight years, there's been this massive rise in, in you know, Prism was a huge product for the consumer and, and uh, basketball. If you're stepping into it right now or in the last 24 months, like I have, it's it you're you're coming in on equal footing and there's a lot of good soccer stuff and actually if you if you take the values comparatively of say the legends Messi Ronaldo those are more modern day legends or Pele I think if you looked at a Pele compared to the the comparison of him in baseball or him in uh, in basketball he's incredibly underpriced yet globally and culturally and relevancy is right there. Also prospecting in soccer is a huge thing. Just like baseball, you know, Bowman, like there's an entire market on that. I see that mimicking itself a bit too. Um, and then there's stickers. The, the rookie sticker thing is a little bit of a, a different uh, experience because uh, the, the European, the Panini, their European products, they generally lead with a sticker for the rookie stuff. So a lot of the soccer rookie stuff is sticker. And you're actually going to see that, I think, inversed in that basketball and other sports stickers are going to start being acceptable because that's going to bleed in a little bit. Lou, any thoughts there? Um, Yeah, I, I agree with Tyler. The global point is like soccer as a general marketplace is going to go up a lot in the next five to seven years. Um, so putting your money there in the major stars, the Mbappes, the Messi's, the Ronaldo's is pretty safe. Something I would say that I've noticed recently, Ryan, I think you'd be able to attest this as well. A lot of like your classic collectors are now starting to like preemptively buy soccer because they're anticipating this hype, just like we are. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of priced in like anticipation and stuff like that. Um, so I think where three years ago you could, or a year ago, you could buy Lucas for $35 or two years ago, you buy Lucas for $35, whatever. You're not going to be able to do that with Joao Feliz. Like, like you'd be able to do, like if this happened a year ago, I think you'd be able to get five Joao Feliz for 35 bucks. Joao Feliz is like a hundred something dollars everywhere you go. I mean, a year so, ago, they were considered base cards. Like exactly. the, the Chrome and him and Sancho were both in that Chrome product. They're both, they were base cards. Exactly right. So like, I think there's a, there's a, a little bit of a higher level of entry and there's a little, there's more risk involved. So that's just something I would keep an eye on in general. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Pulisic, Mbappe, Feliz, like yeah, Sancho. And and then there's something to be said about also club and country, right? International is such a big thing. So you uh there's like the the Giannis international, like there's some Euro now, obviously with the influx of Euro- European players uh in NBA, there's mm-hmm. sometimes like their Euro card has some value to it. In footy, you know, are you buying Mbappe France or are you buying Mbappe PSG? Both valid also a whole World thing. Cup product, Euro Cup product. Hello. Yeah, there's also a whole thing where, like, especially with these older guys, like these, I have never heard of what a Mega Cracks is. Like, I have no idea what that is, and that's Messi's like true rookie card. And like Pele, there's like little hand cut like cardboard things that I've never seen before. So that's actually kind of fun. There's like cool, weird stuff in the European cards that is like yeah. cool to look at. Switching it over a little bit, baseball. How do you feel? Do you feel confident about Gavin Lux due to his situation in L.A.? And, Lou, you're going to need to touch on what his situation in L.A. is. Or does he have a low ceiling from at Harrison Mingham? Harrison, hello. Um, I would say Gavin Lux is probably the lowest floor rookie there is in Major League Baseball this year. I say that because the Dodgers are an elite team. They have an unbelievable lineup. They traded for Mookie Betts. They're actually going to be able to play with Mookie Betts this year, so that's good. You know, they got they got uh, Bellinger. They got 
Corey Seager coming back. They got a ton of guys, right? So he was in the first top space product this year. Gavin's tops rookies there. Yeah, like 50 bucks for about a 10. Yeah, 50 bucks for a PSA 10. His chromes, I think, were going for like 70 at one point a couple months ago, I want to say. His Bowman chromes. Um, so he's like a pretty safe bet, to be honest. I mean, safe in terms of like how safe is a rookie really going to be. Um, the other guys you're looking at is probably the Robert's. Um, Force Whitley's a pitcher who I think is going to be good. You might get a shot at Joe Adele this year. Um, but as far as the ceiling goes, I don't love Gavin Lux. I think he's going to be a fine player. He actually reminds me a lot of like Corey Seager from like a market standpoint. Um, but I think he's a pretty safe bet. I'm a fan of his for sure. I think the big thing for me with Lux is like you said, Lou, is there's the, is where he plays LA. Mm-hmm. Like if, if Gavin Lux was in Colorado or San or in Kansas city, I just, I might not feel, you know, as strongly about him. The Dodgers are loaded. They're, they're, they've got to be one a or one B in terms of the favorites to, to win the world series. It's got to be them in New York. Um, so that, that helps, but uh, we talk about this. I know we've talked about a lot about this off, uh, offline, uh, like baseball versus basketball, right? If, if I'm putting money in anything right now, I still think it's, it's, it's still a basketball market. So until I see, uh, you know, the baseball get back and, and Lux really start doing well again, I just, I have a hard time buying, buying much Lux stuff. Yeah. I've seen, you know, the last 24 hours over the holiday weekend, it seems like there's been an issue with the MLB getting testing done with all their teams. So that's concerning. Um, but I, I think, I think baseball is always going to have a place in the hobby. That's where all the sure. classic hobbyists go. Um, yeah, so baseball is pretty safe, but 100% I think basketball has a bigger ceiling. Um, and on that note, I wanted to get into a little bit of 2018-2019 conversation with you guys. You know, last year's rookie class was out of control. This year's class is even crazier, arguably. So um, a question from Matt's sports card was, which basketball class are you investing in going forward? 2018-19 or 2019-20? Um, we've gone back, again, we've gone back and forth on this a lot. I would say the top three guys from 2018 are who? Luca, Trey, and probably Shay, and probably Shay. Shay's got to okay. be probably. I can't think of anyone else you'd put at three. Can you tell her? Kevin Knox. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Knox. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, Michael. You're speaking to a massive Michael Porter Jr. fan right here, um, and so I, I go 2018 all day, and it's wild just looking at this. A, a lot of people also have a lot of love for Aiton. Um, I, generally speaking, the rule of thumb that I was kind of taught was like centers are kind of meh, but you've also mm-hmm. seen this massive, you know, Shaq, whether you want to call him a center or you want to just call him an entrepreneurial icon of this country, um, might pave the way for that a little bit. I think Aiton early on has shown a lot, but I always was just no, no centers. Um, he could be a factor in, in that decision, but yeah, when you look at Luca, Trey, uh shy but mpj is like i think such a dark horse i was always there and then let's take a look at 2019 here um you you know you got the first two right out the gate are like arguably two of the more hyped rookie prospects to come into any american sport in a very long time um so personally i've been i've been putting you know investment into 18 Michael Porter Jr., I think, still has massive upside on a team that I think could replicate what the Raptors did, go on and win it in two seconds. Um, and that's where my head's at, but I know I, I believe you guys have some differing opinions on on uh, on that, on where that stands. Yeah, I would definitely be uh, 1920 
to me. It, it just the, Zion is going to be the ultimate hype guy over anything Luca or Trey. So with Zion, Jaw, RJ Barrett still, I think, has a lot of potential. I mean, if the Knicks ever did anything at all, um, Sekou Demboya, I like. There's uh, like Matisse Thibel. There was somebody else on the list that I was. Uh, I mean, there's Hero, Kobe White. I just, I think I would take. I would take. I don't get the Kobe White thing. Why do people like Kobe White so much? He's in Chicago. Prospecting. It's, it's Chicago. It's. I think a lot of it. You know. I mean, he was balling towards the end of the year. I think he was scheduled to start the day they canceled the season. But like, think about that. He was scheduled to start. Yeah, and his and his prisons were going for like ninety bucks. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm with you guys. I think I think it's a really close conversation. I think Luca and Trey are just like gonna be. I think Luca's probably like going to be an all-time player, right? So like that's a thing. I don't feel that way about Zion. I, the injury concerns freak me out too much. Sure. Um, but I think they're both going to be really strong class going forward. Just as a quick side note here, Tyler, can you search LeBron James top scorer 2003 PSA 10 and check out the latest sale? Tyler is currently searching right now for the people listening on audio. I want to show them something outrageous. Oh, Look at that last sale. Goodness. <laughs> $14,750 were best offer. That it sold for that much. That's his final sale price, right? It has to. Is it, isn't it crossed out when it's no, it says? Not? If you see below it, it says or best offer. Yeah, but isn't it when it's best offer they cross it out? I believe so. I believe. I think so. if it's full asking, it just sells for that much. It just posts it as that much. It's crazy. I'm gonna check. Wow. LeBron. Yeah, Brian, look that up just real quick for everyone. The 2003 LeBron James Topps Chrome is arguably the number one card to buy in the world right now. Most popular modern day basketball card. 100% the most popular modern day basketball card. Um, his cards were trading at about $1,000 this time last year. Um, and they peaked at around eight or 9K right before COVID-19 and went down to around 5,600. And now they've blasted back over 10 and there was one that just sold for 14,750. We'll it, it, it says it got clicked at 14,7. Yeah, so like we'll see if that price clicks, but that's an outrageous number. And I just want people to realize that there's a very, very realistic role with a 2003 top scroll LeBron James PSA 10 sells for $25,000 in the next like three months. Last, uh, last segment for <laughs> episode number one. Let's, uh, let's give the listeners a little peek into upcoming releases. So <clears throat> it looks like we talked about this uh, offline, but Spectra Basketball came out, out last week. It was a, it was a pretty popular release on last Friday but the one I think we're all looking forward to the most is Friday's release this week, which is going to be Chronicles Soccer. It's typically one of my favorite products just because you're going to have a limited print run of a, a, a multitude of sets in one uh, mix into one product. Yeah, I think one of the neat things here is there. So uh, Premier League, La Liga and Syria all coming out within the same product. Yep. Some, as a big time Manchester United fan, Mason Greenwood who 18-year-old been really, really, really playing lights out and scoring goals on, on the senior level. 18-year-old kid, his this is his true, I would call it rookie, American rookie, if you want to go there, not necessarily European sticker release uh, that's coming out in this product. It's a Don Russ. Um, and, and then Ansu Fati is a huge Barcelona uh, prospect. Young kid coming up. He's been getting some starts. Started out in like Champions League. Uh, I believe his first non-European 
kind of true rookie. Um, and then, like you mentioned, there's some uh, some some big messy auto hits and, and, and things. So it's supposed to be a really packed out product. And and to the point of the soccer, I think what you're seeing is I'm not sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Or is this the first Chronicles they've done for for yes. footy? For, so, for soccer. Yeah. yeah. So I just again, back to your, when the demand is there. Panini tops like they are looking to meet it with new product and I think that's what you're starting to see here is for this product in the football world uh proper football is uh is kind of like a hey okay this is getting a little bit more serious now yeah it's uh it's gonna be a great product multiple hits per box a lot of uh a lot of big names in there and I think that was one of the things I didn't mention this in the soccer discussion earlier, but a lot of these guys don't have a lot of cards, right? So Holland, Sancho, Felice, like a lot of these guys don't have a ton. So getting more cards of them out there on the market, some really cool higher end stuff, I think is uh is going to do well for soccer. So I think that will uh that will be a big release. Real quick, can I just jump in on that on the Mason Greenwood thing? So you're saying like that's his that's going to be his first American card, right? Right. There's always releases that come out, right? Like in baseball, and I'm using baseball as an example, but like Topps Pro Debut comes out, right? That's Luis Robert's first actual card. That's not regarded as his actual rookie. Um, so, like, I would, I, I want to think about that a little bit as well. Like, I buying Mason Greenwood right now feels good because it's because it's his first card and all that stuff. But I also would keep in mind like there could be a prism, or I'm not sure what league he's in. Yeah. But like, there could be a prism that comes out that is then regarded as his true rookie. So, yeah, and the market kind of decides. For a different day, but, right, yeah. and the market kind of decides. Yep, exactly. kind of, but like I also feel like there is like a general rule of like Prism is a, generally the, the well-known rookie card, and like Topps Chrome is the well-known rookie card. Yeah, I mean, and if he gets a Prism rookie, well. it, it it will sell well. I think the big thing is Pro Debut is not anywhere near the top of the list for baseball products. It's probably one of the lesser ones. It's more yeah, like Chronicles isn't of, either technically, right? Well, Chronicles has superior brands in the product. It's full product lines like Donruss and Preferred or Crown Royal. It's going to have Gala rookies. It's going to have uh, like Court Kings rookies. Like I saw a level three on there. Uh, I know that from the basketball set. So it's going to have bigger brands on it. Pro debut is all minor leagues. So it's guys that aren't in like baseball yet. So it's a, it's typically a lesser brand. I If Mason Greenwood has a prism rookie, it will sell well, but I I expect a lot of the rookies in that, in the Chronicles product to do really, really well. I I think it, I think those products will be considered elite for what's in there. I'm not saying Donruss is the, you know, the best brand, but there's definitely going to be some big potential in that product. Interesting. So sweet. That is, uh, that is all we got for episode number one. So we will, uh, we'll be back next week with our next episode. Remember, you can reach out on Instagram or Twitter at CardTalkPod with questions for next week's episode or shoot us an email at CardTalkPod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, find it. Find me on social at CardCollector2. Somewhere right here. Boom, boom. Tyler. Yeah. Check out 1.37 p.m. All the plugs. Appreciate you listening. If you've got this far, give us a little feedback. Twitter, anywhere. Even if it's negative, Absolutely. hopefully it's positive. We'll keep working. We'll keep trying to get better, trying to bring you guys more value. And yeah, I'm going to have an actual mic next week. It's going to be great. Yeah, there was a major thunderstorm that happened yeah. just before this. Yeah. had nothing to do with Louis' mic messing up, but I just wanted to throw that in there. See you guys next week. Peace. Later. That's a wrap on Card Talk this week. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com. 
and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37pm podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.